Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. You can hear the Katie Helper Show on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can rate and review us on iTunes. You can support the show at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. On today's episode, I play an interview that I did with writer Nathan Robinson. He's the editor and founder of Current Affairs. He's also the author of the book, why you should be a socialist. Nathan is one of the few people who looked into Tara's story as well before Bernie Sanders dropped out. And he also wrote a very good piece for Current Affairs evaluating Tara Reid's claims against Joe Biden, where he goes through different attempts to discredit Tara. Unfortunately, right after Nathan and I ended our interview, uh, there was more. There were more attempts to discredit Tara, and you just can't keep up with them. So I'm going to be doing an update about all the following smears against Tara. And uh, very excited to be talking to Nathan Robinson, the um, founder and editor of Current Affairs, also the author of an excellent book about why you should be a socialist. Indeed. Called Why You Should Be a Socialist. Why you should be a socialist. <laughs> And uh, someone also who has uh, kind of uh, dug into the uh, Tara Reid story, uh, one of the few people besides myself and Ryan Grimm who were paying attention to it before uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post and the AP decided to write about it a couple weeks late um, on Easter Sunday. But uh, welcome, Nathan. Hello, Katie. Nice to talk to you. Hello. I want to have you on because... You know, there have been a lot of hit pieces on Tara Reid, and Tara oh, yeah. Reid is someone who listeners uh, heard me interview. She's accused uh, Joe Biden of sexual assault as well as sexual harassment. She was one of the um, eight women who said that Biden had inappropriately touched her. And she, in her very kind of selfless way, actually came forward after she saw Lucy Flores being attacked. And that's what kind of got her to come forward and, and talk about how he had inappropriately touched her. Now, she got... Basically, she got attacked instantly as a Russian spy. She then did not feel comfortable coming forward with the more more serious allegations, which is actual sexual assault. And some people find this surprising. I don't at no. all. I think there's a big difference between talking about someone rubbing, you know, rubbing your shoulders and and putting his hand on your head and someone actually digitally penetrating you. And so there's a big difference between those two things. No. And then on top of that, she would have been standing alone. Like when she came forward to talk about the inappropriate touching, she was joining other women who were coming forward to yeah. talk about Biden. And it was a very kind of like enclosed narrative that was very limited to inappropriate touching, but nothing that, you know, penetrating, I guess you would say. Nothing like below, I was going to say below the waist, but that's not true because he touched people's legs and stuff. But anyway, this requires a lot more standing on your own, a lot more courage. It's a lot more like uh, graphic and visceral. So she didn't say that all at the time, in part because she immediately was smeared. And then she tried to get her story out there in January. She went to Time's Up and they actually said out loud that they wouldn't take it because she was accusing Joe Biden. And so uh, I thought, Nathan, because you wrote a great piece about this, yeah. Current Affairs, and Current Affairs also has the, um, the transcript of the interview that I did. I thought we could just go over... Um, some of the worst arguments against yeah, Tara, right. uh, especially because this piece that you wrote is is in Robin's, Robinsonian form quite it's long. It's incredibly long. And we want to make sure. Yes. But there's a sure lot of bullshit people... to wade through. There really. is a lot of bo bullshit to get through, to be fair. So, yeah. so why don't... And just on, on what you were saying previously about, you know, her 
coming forward first with the confirming Lucy Flores and then now coming forward with uh, the great. I think there's a huge mistake that everybody is making in thinking about this, which is in thinking that the timing is suspicious rather than it being exactly the timing that you would expect in a case like this. So, like, as we know, it's really, really not easy to come forward as a woman because you're going to be, every tweet that you've ever tweeted is going to be combed over, every, your whole life is going to be turned upside down. So, in fact, the moment that you would expect an accusation like this to come out is the moment when the candidate has gotten so close to the presidency that someone feels that they can't hold it inside anymore because they really want to hold it inside, but they feel like they absolutely have to come forward. So the reason that there was no need for her to come forward when Joe Biden was failing is because he was failing. Why would you do this if the candidate is not going to go anywhere? These accusations, the exact time we would expect them to come out is about the time that the person has wrapped up the nomination. And yeah, she came forward in April of last year just to confirm what Lucy Flores would say. And it's not just that she wasn't comfortable and that she had the smears. It's also that the reporter she talked to from the new union newspaper in um, California, who is a male reporter, it should, be, it yeah. should be noted, she says, and she said to you in your interview, she says the questioning style really shut her down because the reporter was like, but it wasn't sexual, was it? And right. And she was like, I, I guess I can't, she was like thinking like I can't prove that those behaviors were sexual. And she said like the reporting style really was seemed meant to like close her up more than help her to open up. And that makes right. total sense. But yeah, now right. we can go through some of the uh, like the pieces that have been written that have made like a ton of terrible points. But I think that's just worth clarifying at the outset. Is that no, it is, and I and I think it's also a setup because if you are coming out, it's it's as if they want the perfect victim now requires having no political motivations. Now there's a difference between being a hit job and being like not telling the truth and being created by the opposition and coming out conveniently to smear someone when right as it's going to matter uh, politically. But the idea somehow is that like a woman who was sexually assaulted by someone shouldn't care if he's about to become the president. It's like she's not allowed to have any self-interest. It's like there's something sinister or Machiavellian yeah. or um, Lady Macbethian about caring that the person who um, assaulted you may become yeah. president. But people really think that that's a gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, 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 because they say, oh, well, now it seems to be meant to hurt the Biden campaign. Well, yeah, of yeah. course, right? But what they right. imply is that it's because she's like some Bernie bro. But actually, right, it's exactly, because right. she was sexually assaulted. And a person who's sexually right. assaulted is trying to make sure that the person who committed a horrible crime against them isn't put in a position of power and trust. Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, there's really nothing that weird about it. I mean, Anita Hill came out when right, Clarence Thomas, Thomas was getting confirmed, right? Blazy Ford. Ford, same thing. Yeah. Right. That's what So why out. aren't these women suspects? Why aren't these women suspects? And of course, as always, we're seeing total hypocrisy from both sides. We're seeing the right wing, which usually doesn't embrace the believe oh, women yeah. mantra, but uh, is uh, is very attentive to Tara. And the, and the more disappointing thing, because I kind of think that they're in some ways decent people, are the libs and the feminists, the not leftist feminists, but liberal feminists, um, who are ignoring this or um, 
writing think pieces to give women, to give people uh, an excuse to ignore them. But before we get to the feminists, let's go to the some resistance grifters um, known as the Krasenstein brothers who have been banned from Twitter and they got like the FBI, I think, showed up at their their house. Yeah, they're pretty bad. Uh, they're pretty to, bottom of the barrel they're pretty bad. political commentators. Yeah. But their piece got a lot of... Uh, yeah, so they wrote a piece yeah, at Medium. Like yeah. So do you want to go through some of their worst, uh, the worst parts of it? One of the worst things that they start off with, which is extremely embarrassing, is in 2017, Alexander Reed praised Joe Biden for his action in helping stop sexual assault, not just once, but on multiple occasions. And she does indeed say things about Biden. Now, any single person who knows anything about rape or assault or surviving or survivors or trauma knows that people have various ways of dealing with this. And in her interview with me in a piece that I haven't released yet, but I'm going to be releasing this week, she talks about how conflicted she felt because Biden, she knows the loss he's gone through with losing his first wife and and, um, kids. People feel conflicted. Rape deniers use this argument. Like if a woman is raped by someone and then she doesn't call the police right away, or if it's her boyfriend who assaults her or does something violent to her and she doesn't break up with him right away, they'll use that against her. Now, Progressives and liberals and feminists know that that's absolute victim-blaming trash, but somehow these people think that this is a gotcha, the fact that she said nice things about Biden. This is a theme that runs through all of the criticisms that are made of Tara Reid by Democrats and, and liberals and people who should be sympathetic, where they are all of a sudden using arguments that are really outrageous, as you said, victim-blaming trash, and and by reinforcing the idea that these things are evidence that should cause you to cast doubt on a woman's story, they are really making the climate worse for survivors by suggesting that if you say anything positive about the person who did this to you after the fact, like, for example, like if a woman, as you say, stays with her boyfriend or her husband, like, then she's probably not telling the truth. Uh, in reality, uh, you know, you had that conversation uh, with Tara. I had a conversation with Tara on the phone in which she got very emotional when she was talking about her mixed feelings about Joe Biden, where this, this tension in her head, because what happens with a lot of abusive people is that they are two-faced. They have an incredibly warm public persona, and yet they can turn really dark in private. They are, they are, you know, the euphemism is complicated, but actually there is this, it's it's this kind of cruel um, mixture of being really nice to you one moment and then really, really awful to you another moment. And it's very, very common and it caused people to know, like if a person did one terrible thing to you once, and then after that you see all these wonderful things they do, everyone loves them, it just creates, it creates terrible feelings of conflictedness. And she has these. She's talked about how she doesn't even want to hurt Joe Biden, really, because she doesn't want Trump to be president. But she knows what he did to her and how bad it is. And she knows how important it is for her to tell the truth and for people to actually be made aware. And she feels like it eats at her because she doesn't hate Joe Biden. The fact that she doesn't hate Joe Biden should actually be kind of something that boosts her credibility. She's not like this pathological anti-Biden obsessive. She's someone who has really, really deeply conflicted feelings about Joe Biden because he was someone she admired and kind of in some ways still admired from time to time afterwards who did something unforgivable to her. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not that deep, honestly. I mean, there are lots of people who have who do good things politically who we find horribly, you know, per- horrible on a personal level. Now, Biden, of course, to, to you and me and to Tara, he's a little he's way too centrist. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't done some things that are important for, you know, violence against women and, you know, whether or not that's cynical. But anyway, yeah, this is just a really embarrassing talking point that anyone who's to the left of Kavanaugh should be really embarrassed by. And as you said, it's it's not just a terrible thing to be repeating, um, like, because it's just gross, but it also contributes to a, a, an environment where people will be less likely to come forward. I, I had a, you and I have both talked to Tara's friend that she told about at the time. And one of the, I brought this up with her, and she said they've actually had arguments about it over the years because uh, Tara goes, oh, well, he's done these positive things. And the friend who is more cynical, right, says, oh, but you understand, she still told me, I, I always tell Tara, but you know that men who do terrible things cover it up by doing like really generous things right. in public. But she says, Tara always wants to see the good in people. That's what yeah, she told yeah, me. She does, and that's yeah. the impression that you've gotten and I've gotten from talking to Tara, is that she is a person who wants to see the good in people. Yeah, incredibly big hearted, always thinks, I mean, always thinks that the person's gonna do the right thing, um, get surprised when they don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So, but even without that, let's say there isn't even a cynical thing. You don't even have to like make it like right. that. I mean, it could very well be that. But there are just people who have good politics who are terrible to women. There are people who have good politics who are terrible um, to people in their lives who are abusive. And um, that doesn't mean you start rejecting their politics. I mean, Tara is a lifelong Democrat also. So, okay, so that's one one smear. That's an absolute rape-denying smear. Then we have Reed's story is not consistent. This is my favorite one. The central thing that they do is they comb through old blog posts and they try and find inconsistencies in her story. And there are two points here. The first point is that the things they bring up are not actually inconsistent because you can do one thing for more than one reason. So they say, oh, she cites this reason at one point, but she cites another reason for leaving Washington. Also, they, they, I, I don't know if it's them or others that have brought up that she doesn't say that she left her job because Joe Biden sexually assaulted her. And that's my right. favorite well, yeah. because they say, oh, her story's not consistent because she says she left her job because she was interested in this other thing. Well, you know, how many women put on their public blog, you know, yeah. I did this because my boss sexually assaulted me. People's stories, yeah. people's public stories can in fact differ from the truth, the stuff they write on the blog because they don't want to talk about the incredibly difficult, horrible things that happened in their lives. And Right. Some of the inconsistencies they point out are just literally not inconsistencies at all. I think the Krasnicks cite, cite the fact that she says at one point, I came to wash, I flew into Washington to start my job. She said at another point, I drove into Washington to start my job. Well, I asked her about this. I said, I went, because I went through this stuff with her. And I said, you say you said, and she said, it's simple. First, I flew in, and then my car was back west, so I had to go get my car, and I drove across the country. And like, it's really, really easy if you care enough to actually try and find out what the truth is. And if you're not just a person who is going through trying to find anything that could be spun as an inconsistency. If you think something's an inconsistency, then ask Tara about it. Because I guarantee you, and you and I have talked to her a lot, and there is nothing that when you ask her about it really is an inconsistency. She can explain it all. Yeah. And uh, another thing they go through is it's like she can't win either way. She In 2017, she attacked Putin on Twitter over and over again. So they're mad at her for attacking Putin. Then she says some things that are... Um, let's, let's, let's just remember that 
it is very unclear why on earth any of this is relevant for assessing what she's saying, right? Did she have positive opinions about Putin? Did she have negative opinions about Putin? She she went through, as, I, as far as I could understand, she went through a phase where she was fascinated with Russian history and culture because she had some friends who were Russian and she got really into Russia and she wanted to write a novel and such. And then she became kind of disillusioned. She moved on and she started really realizing that, you know, Putin probably wasn't that great. She shouldn't have said this. Many people, this is very, very normal. And it is of absolutely no relevance to whether she was sexually assaulted by Joe Biden in right. 1993. I know. I guess they're implying, I don't know if they're just trying to smear her as a, because Russia is such a dirty word now, if they're actually trying to suggest she's a Russian agent. Um, it's very embarrassing because guess what? I have this really controversial view, which is that even people who have said nice things about Putin don't deserve to get uh, sexually assaulted. But that's weird. That's I don't me. Know the Democrats uh, or that maybe position. I know, I know. Or maybe they deserve to be lit. Maybe they, they would say she doesn't deserve to get sexually assaulted, but she certainly doesn't deserve to get listened to or believed. And what happened is because I asked her about this and it's very easy. Um, Okay, in January 2017, we retweeted an attack by Chelsea Handler on Russia for decriminalizing domestic violence. And then she told Vox that the reason she um, stopped liking Putin was because uh, she found out about the domestic violence uh, uh, law. But what happened was she thought that that was misinformation because she saw all this anti-Russia stuff. So she thought that the claim that Putin had legalized domestic violence was not true. Then she looked into it more and she realized that Putin wasn't the great guy that she thought yeah, he was. I, Again, we shouldn't even be having to debate I, yeah, this, but I just I want to, pretty, the reason I'm, de- right. I'm bringing it up is because people right. do, yes. when they're, if, if you're barraged with inconsistency after inconsistency that you yeah. and I would also have if everyone combed through our stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just so unfair. Right. Like, and, and I do think that sadly there are people who aren't even terrible people well, who see this and they're like, well, that is and weird. And the other thing is that it's a little unfair to ha- ask someone to have an incredibly precise memory about the evolution of their political thoughts. And if they don't yeah. suggest that that casts doubt on their sexual assault. Right. Because... But if you're asking me, like, which blog post did I write in 2017 versus 2018, like, I am going to, like, not quite... I, I, I understand that what, what Tara's story is about the Putin stuff is, again, she got very interested in Russia for a while and she got disillusioned. And that's completely consistent with the stuff she said and done. And it seems to me like that's all we need to know, especially because it has absolutely nothing to do with the case. So then they get to a conclusion. No one will be able to say with certainty whether Tara Reid's latest allegations are legitimate (laughs) or not. But the very least we can do is ensure that the public has as much information as possible to make an informed decision. That's the purpose of this article. With that, we leave you with two things to think about. One, a tweet response made by Reid just weeks before coming forward with the new allegations seemingly contradicting. Again, they don't contradict seemingly contradicting her original story and just days before the Daily Beast reported on the Russian media becoming concerned with Joe Biden's resurgence. As you can see, it seems as though Reid is admitting that she's waiting for the perfect time to release her new allegations in order to hurt Joe Biden's campaign. And it has a tweet from Ryan Graham where he goes, a head-to-head Biden v. Sanders contest will force voters to take a close look at Biden again. That went very badly for him last time. And Tara goes, yep, timing, wait for it, tick-tock. Now, there's nothing weird about that. She was trying to. Well, get she her knows story what's going to come out eventually, right? Because she was trying. To, yeah, exactly. At that time, she's trying just, to get reporters to listen to her. Right. And none exactly. of them would. She had been trying to again. Right. She had tried since January when when Times Up turned her away. 
Um, she wrote to Ronan Farrow. She wrote to politicians. She wrote to this uh, journalist, that journalist. So, but here's my favorite one. Number two, this is what they're leaving us with. A tweet response that Reed made to the parents of accused rapist Julian Assange. She called the man a hero. So, so, so Julian Assange's mom said something, do something Australia before it's too late. And Tara Reed wrote, my heart goes out to you. Your son is a hero. Please know that um, there are Americans who believe he should be freed. Well, you know, what they're trying to do, and we know what they're trying to do with this Putin and Assange stuff, is there's not actually some theory. Because if you dig down to it and you're like, actually, why is this relevant? The only answer is that like, uh, it could only be relevant if, you know, she's some kind of Russian agent or something, which the Krasnodars don't even allege because they know how ridiculous that is. So what they're trying yeah, to do, do is they're trying to put her in the kook box. And the way you put someone in the kook box is you try and find a way to link them with, with, with figures of public hate. That's Julian Assange, Vladimir Putin. I'm surprised they didn't try Assad somehow. God knows they would have if they yeah. could have, you know. Osama bin Laden, you know, whoever it is, you just find some way that you can mentally associate. Oh, you know, Tara Reid, Julian Assange, therefore she's in the kook box. We don't have to listen to her. We don't have to do the kind of evaluation of the factual claims and the existing support for the factual claims that we would demand in another case. Right, exactly. We can totally uh, dismiss her. Um, and then... Uh... They have an update. We were able to contact a longtime friend of Reed's who wished to remain anonymous, but they said that they, quote, do not believe her allegations, end quote, claiming she has always been one to seek attention. Wow, that's not at all a problematic trope. Uh, we went out of our way to get Reed on the record to defend herself and also spoke to individuals close to her for years in an effort to get someone to tell us that Reed was telling the truth. Those we spoke to could not do so and, in fact, left us even more convinced that things don't add up. Imagine saying to someone, we're giving you the chance to defend yourself. And also, it's not on, on, on Tara, the fact that you guys are lunatics who've been banned from Twitter and that people probably don't want to talk right, to you. Right. Exactly, right? I mean, I, I think the fact that they, uh, I mean, they don't, they don't say at all who they try to talk to. They say this is just one anonymous yeah. person. I mean, you know, they don't say... It's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, it's really low-level stuff, especially because they don't talk about the fact that there are three corroborating who say that she told them about this long before she went public with it. Uh, yes. Uh, her brother, her friend, uh, both of whom I spoke to, and another friend who I also spoke to. Okay, so now let's talk about the other piece on, about her, which is the Amanda Marcotte Yeah, piece. because this, is, this, I think, needs to be taken more, a little more seriously because it's in, you know, it's not just grifters on medium. It's Amanda Marcotte, who is a feminist journalist who's pretty smart, and it's in Salon, which is a fairly reputable place. And... It is designed not to, like the Krasensteins, just look like a catalog of, of criticisms of Tara, but it is designed, right. this piece, to look like Very an smart. even-handed evaluation of the facts where she says she's busting myths that are propagated by people who defend Tara and people who oppose Tara, and she's just a myth-buster, right? And that's what makes this piece so insidious because actually it's almost no better than the Krasensteins in the level of doubt that it sows upon Tara unfairly. Right. But it, it, portray, it presents itself very differently. Because Amanda's a feminist, so she can't outright attack this woman. Mm -hmm. So she has to say that uh, she was, like, drawn into, like, um, you know, what does she say? Uh, sleaze. And it's funny, because she goes after me. I interviewed Tara. I gave her a platform because no one else would. And I thought she should have her story told. I also did think that maybe people would want to know about this because it's coming out and it was going to come out. And I thought maybe people would want to know about this before Biden was the only candidate. 
because I thought that it would be relevant. And I actually do think that the Dems are better, even if it was Biden, I think the Dems are better than um, Trump. I think Trump is like, is kind of, although it's overstated often, he is uniquely uh, destructive. Oh, and yeah. you can see that just with the with Corona. I mean, that oh, is yeah. like, if there's not, yeah. So I didn't want someone who's gonna be well, not only like unable to finish full sentences, but also um, going to be able to be pitched as just as rapey or slightly less rapey than Trump. Well, you and I and a lot of the left, and this is something that is not often acknowledged, make a strongly pragmatic and electability-based case for Bernie and against Joe Biden. That is to say, we are terrified of Donald Trump. We hate Donald Trump. And the entire reason that we have thought, or, or a big part of the reason that we have thought that Bernie Sanders is so important to nominate is because we want to beat Trump. And we understand what, that, what a lot of Democrats don't, which is that Bernie can beat Trump and these, in a way that these other Democrats are really going to struggle with. And we understand the weakness of someone like Biden, and so we are really worried about nominating him. And we actually, because the left doesn't just brush aside things about liberals that it finds uncomfortable in the way liberals themselves do, uh, we understand that Biden's long history of touching women inappropriately is going to come up in the general election. They can ignore it for now, but they were never going to be yeah. able to avoid it. So this is a public service that you were doing by helping them vet their candidate before they run him, and it's a catastrophe. Right. Like, I'll admit, I clearly, you and I both have made it very sure. clear, we like Bernie Sanders' politics and policies way more. But on top of that, I don't think that Biden will be able to win. And I actually used to think that Bernie and Biden were the only electable people in there. But then as the campaign moved fo went forward, it became clear to me that Biden is really incapable of finishing sentences. And I actually think that the media has a lot of blood on their hands and will have more blood on their hands if and when he loses, which I really think he will, um, because they didn't vet him, because they um, enabled him, they protected him. And of course, the combo of, of Obama, basically, we don't even know what he did, but he helped make sure that Bernie, uh, you know, suspended his campaign uh, the way he did with uh, the way he got uh, Keith Ellison out of the way for Tom Perez to come in. So he could then also literally push people to vote uh, during a pandemic. And he has a lot of blood in his hands. But I digress. The point is the combination of this DNC um Obama-esque, uh, Obama, actual Obama intervention, and the media totally um, failing to vet Biden makes him a very, very, very vulnerable candidate. And that is extremely dangerous and actually irresponsible for anyone who claims that they care about beating Trump. So back to the salon piece. Marcotte goes after me, but she also goes after Ryan Grimm, which is kind of weird because Ryan Grimm is like an award-winning two-time Pulitzer nominee journalist who broke the Christine Blasey Ford story. So it's just a bit like it's a little hard to really take that that criticism seriously. Like whatever, say what you will about me, and uh, you know Amanda also inter introduces me as a rab as an avid Bernie supporter, which I am. But Amanda's an avid Hillary supporter and avid. Uh, Warren supporter and avid Bernie hater. In fact, she actually took part in a debate that I held between uh, pro Bernie yeah. and pro Hillary feminists. So you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna mention people's political well, it's a really obnoxious thing that she everyone. does because she uses the fact that uh, Bernie uh, that that Tara Reid has been. I think the way she phrases it is involved in Bernie fandom, and she uses that phrasing because it's a little evasive. And because it doesn't make clear the truth, which is the truth is that her involvement is that people who like Bernie Sanders were the only people who would listen to Tara Reid. 
It's not that Tara Reid is a Bernie bro. In fact, she was a Warren supporter. She was a Clinton supporter right. in 2016. She began supporting right. Bernie Sanders in January because he was the last candidate left who had sexually assaulted yeah. her. And Amanda okay. Markov presents this as, and, and she says that Time's Up probably didn't decline the case for political reasons because, and she cites Tara's involvement with Bernie people as reason why this could yeah. look political. But she doesn't note her own bias, which is that she's a Hillary person and she's an anti-Bernie person. Right. So if this should cause a us to doubt person, Tara, yeah. then it should cause us to doubt Markov as well. Yeah, this is, I just want to make sure we get the, uh, what is the line that is really great? Um, in a written statement to Salon, Uma Ayer of the National Women's Law Center confirmed what Grimm reported in The Intercept. Their status as a nonprofit comes with a strict and ups, absolute prohibition on participating in, electoring, in electioneering or political campaign activity, end quote. And then Amanda writes, considering Reed's active presence on Bernie Twitter and her enthusiasm for the Sanders campaign, the concerns that any involvement for, with her allegations during a presidential primary could be perceived as electioneering no, don't seem no, unfounded. No, it's completely unfounded. It's completely bullshit. I know. And I, and you know what? They said it's because it's Biden. They didn't say it's what? because you're a Bernie fan. Why didn't she? Times yeah. Up themselves said it's no. because Biden, yes. he's running for office. It has nothing Time's to do with Bernie. Upset. So that's the right. conspiracy theory, yes. Amanda. Amanda yeah. is constructing a justification that Times Up didn't offer. She's trying to help them out. Exactly. By coming up with some theory. Yeah, which is really embarrassing. Yeah. lose Times Up. Again, Times Up said it would compromise their 501c3 steps. Well, instead of asking some people who are familiar with nonprofit law whether it would actually compromise nonprofit status for an organization to represent someone accusing a federal political candidate of sexual misconduct, Amanda did not go to an expert and say, is this a, is this a real justification? Because it isn't, because she would have gotten an answer she hated. Um, instead, she just came up with a phony reason, which is, oh, well, her involvement That they didn't even give. She had to uh, uh, she had to write a correction at the top of the piece, which is pretty interesting. There are very clear standards for what constitutes political right. activity by a nonprofit, and this just isn't it. Like it just isn't. Right. It's just yeah. And she's saying that Tara is a conspiracy theorist, but she's engaging in a literal conspiracy because Times Up explained why they didn't do it. So is she undermining them? So, Can we not trust Times Up? Are they lying? So the important thing from Amanda's article is that she makes two points that really need to be decimated. First, she says that Tara Reid's uh, allegation has the reason that the mainstream media hasn't reported it is that uh, it, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's Joe Biden and everything to do with the fact that there are red flags around Tara. Uh, and she repeats a lot of the Krasenstein stuff, suggesting that Tara's been inconsistent when she hasn't. And then the second point she makes is that Time's Up did not deny Tara Reid's uh, uh, request for support because uh, of a loyalty to Joe Biden. And she gives that phony justification. So both of these, if accepted, really undermine Tara. So that's why this article, which presents itself as mere myth-busting, as I say, is so dangerous because she really tries to heavily cast doubt and vindicate both the media and Time's Up, even though it's very, very clear right. that it has everything to do with Biden that they didn't listen to Tara. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just a, not a good argument. She should have stuck to the other stuff. She should have stuck to the media stuff, which is like more convincing, even though it's bullshit. It's slightly more convincing than the, oh, Time's Up actually didn't uh, not support her for the reasons that they gave. We need to mention Anita Dunn. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Please, please um, talk The whole about reason it. that Speak the Time's Up thing is so suspicious is because Tara Reid came to Time's Up asking for storytelling help, which is explicitly a service that Time's Up offers. They say, we will help you 
tell your story. So we'll give you PR, right? We'll get, help you make, get your story in the press. And the PR firm that they use, they give you one month free of this, this fancy PR firm, and it's SKD Knickerbocker, which is run by, the managing director is a senior advisor to the Biden campaign. And then you're done. And so it's pretty clear that it would have been impossible for Time's Up to grant Tara Reid's request because it would have required them to hire a Biden advisor to push the PR for a Biden accuser. It just wouldn't have worked. So it's very obvious that someone in Time's Up just went, no, we can't go near a Joe Biden right? I don't think it ever made it to Anita Dunn's desk, but it's very clear that there was just a huge conflict of interest where a Biden person was the person they'd be relying upon to spread the accuser's story. And so they just denied the claim. It's quite simple. Also, uh, uh, Chris Abal did a really great analysis and breakdown of this one. The overall conclusion that Marcotte comes to in her piece is that Reed's story is credible and compelling in some important ways and also comes with a number of troubling red flags. And this is where things get complicated for Marcotte because many of the troubling red flags that made Tara's story so allegedly sleazy are some of the very same red flags that Amanda seemed to understand were a baseless distraction when it came to covering Trump and Kavanaugh accusers. If you just read what Marcotte has said in the past about uh, Blasey Ford. So let's turn to the Twitters, shall we? In response to Ryan Grimm's reporting that Dianne Feinstein was holding onto a letter from a Kavanaugh accuser. Here's what Marcotte had to say then. This is how this will go. If Kavanaugh's accuser stays anonymous, this will be treated as the reason not to believe her. If she steps forward, something about her life identity will be seized on as the reason not to believe her. And you know what? Amanda was correct. And yet in her article on Tara Reid, she seems not to recognize this same tactic being used and in fact indulges in the instinct herself. In particular, she spends a fair amount of space on the attempt to dismiss Tara with the same red-baiting tactics that are used to dismiss anyone with inconvenient views these days. Marcotte ultimately bravely concludes that Tara is not a Kremlin agent, nor is she the woman from Donald Another red flag, though, for Marcotte was that Tara could be politically motivated. Marcotte explains in her piece that Tara's accusations came only after she started engaging with Bernie-friendly accounts on Twitter. Interesting. So just to summarize, Marcotte is insinuating that the fact that Tara is supportive of the man opposing her alleged assaulter should be taken seriously as a potential concern, which is intriguing because in a different context, she seemed to see the absurdity of this line of reasoning. Let's return to the Twitters, shall we? Note, this strategy is common in trying to discredit sexual assault victims, whether victims of Trump or otherwise. Because a victim understandably hates the man who assaulted her, she is accused of having an agenda. If you just read what Marcotte has said in the past about, um, about uh, Blasey Ford, I mean, she could be... Everything she says about Blasey Ford could be applied to Tari. It's just not politically convenient. Well, this is hugely important because it actually every single claim that people make about Tari, we should analyze through the lens of Blasey Ford because it, yeah. that really helps you understand how much the bias is in favor of Biden. So go back and look at Amanda Marcotte's stuff about Blasey Ford and look at the standard of evidence that these people requested then and the standard that they are demanding now. Because most of the time, stuff they are saying now sounds quite reasonable, where they're saying, oh, well, her claim has to be vetted. Alyssa Milano say this, oh, I believe in due process. We don't want to hurt innocent men, which is all very plausible, except that it didn't apply in the case of Brett Kavanaugh. Amanda Marcotte defends the media. She says, well, you know, the media has to, do, it has to vet the claim. But when, as soon as Blasey Ford made her allegation, the press started reporting on it. 
They didn't require her to have corroboration. And Tara has three people she told about it. Lacey Ford had zero. And yet the Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN, they were all reporting on Blasey Ford immediately. And they left Tara's allegation until after Joe Biden had wrapped up the nomination. And said it was an issue of like irresponsible journalism and um, that I had basically sullied it and, and um, uh, tainted it. The last thing I'd say on Amanda Marcotte is um, that, and I've gone through in my piece, you can read it, all the, all the crap bit by bit. Um, but it is funny. It's a, the, the faux even-handedness where she says, "I'm going to destroy some myths that are uh, that are anti-Tara," and the myths she chooses to destroy are that Tara was a woman who once appeared on Dr. Phil, saying she was in love with Vladimir Putin and he was her boyfriend. My mother thinks that she's in a relationship with Vladimir Putin. I love him. He is going to take me home to Russia. You're saying he's in love with me. Why hasn't he gotten you? Her family believes she's delusional. It's disturbing. I miss my mom. I am still your mother. She believes she's the mother of Russia. Vladimir communicates with me through his ties. This guy's the most powerful guy in the world. Why is he talking to you through his tie? Next, Dr. Phil. Says I'm gonna destroy some myths that are uh, that are anti-Tara, and the myths she chooses to destroy are that Tara was a woman who once appeared on Dr. Phil, saying she was in love with Vladimir Putin and he was her boyfriend, and that Tara is a Russian agent. And Amanda Market generously says that Tara is probably not a Russian agent because a Russian agent would have covered their tracks better. Which is such a Good point. backhanded... I mean, the whole thing's made me so angry because yeah. the, the stuff she decimates the, the, to try and make herself look even-handed even are just such obvious bullshit. But then she really seriously tries to damage Tara's credibility uh, in the name of just wanting to get to the facts. So it's a really disgusting thing, but it's very complicated. Yeah, it's very insulting. I mean, that is like me saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a fair and balanced um, takedown of... Uh, of, of the conspiracies on both sides. Uh, Ryan Grimm is not actually Jane Sanders in a, in a, in a suit and a mask. Yeah, it's just like, why would you say that? That's so ridiculous. Or no, it's like, if I were on the other side, I'm trying to do the equivalent of what she's doing. It would be like, if I was like, um, oh yeah, name, said something ridiculous that Biden people had said. I mean, ridiculous that Sam, wait, I can't remember, I can't, I lost track now. It has to be a fake over the top criticism made by Sanders people. So I guess it would be like, Okay. Uh, all right. At this. All right. It's true that that Joe Biden is not actually um, Obama wearing a, a bodysuit yes. and mask. That's not. That's true. That's that's not true. As some Bernie people have said, have said or something. But um, he's a rapist but, who opposes every progressive going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm just neutral. it's ridiculous. And then and she thinks she probably is not a Russian agent. Probably. probably. We're not, not sure though. She probably. might be. She's holding out the possibility. Yeah. Right. Well, Amanda probably isn't um, getting talking points from the Biden campaign um, because, by the way, this is a huge a, a threat, a through line you can find. So Milano, um, Marcotte, Jezebel Woman, um, Emily Alfred. Sorry, maybe I'd know if she had emailed me to get a comment. Well, but anyway, <laughs> Jeremy Fassler, um, all these people are explicitly making a few arguments. One is Russia. The other one is um, why is the mainstream media talking about this? And then the other one is um Russia mainstream media. Oh, and that and they are often t use that woman as a pseudo objective test. Like, guys, it's not like, come on, let's not be crazy. Uh, Tari is not that woman in the Putin well, video. You see, I'm fair and balanced. Well, well, well. Uh, the other thing that you forgot one argument, which is one Fassler makes, which is I think my favorite uh, from that Donald Trump has raped a lot Donald of people. Donald Trump. That's the argument. 
Fassler literally yeah. cites as a reason not to believe Tara Reid, Donald Trump has done worse things. Yeah. Uh, he's not the only person to do that. You know who else does that? Is, uh, let me see. Well, all Casey, the Biden supporters online. That's who does it. Well, yeah, but sadly, it's not just that. It's also Casey Hunt. All right. Well, I think it's also important that we uh, underscore that the current sitting president has also faced multiple accusations that he uh, denies. The Washington Post yeah. article has this, too. They have a long section on the things that Trump has done. Thanks for that. That's really relevant. I mean, you're just basically it's fine if the Washington Post wants to, like, make the case that Trump is worse than Biden. But like they're pretending that this is a reported article yeah. and not an opinion yeah. piece. Here's another thing that they're all doing. We haven't even gotten to the post or the times. Another thing they're all doing is they're threatening basically Tara saying that because she filed a police report and everyone somehow is saying that it's a felony to do that, to file a false police report. And it also is illegal to falsify police reports. That's what we know at this point, Casey. No one was threatening Christine Blasey Ford about lying. Yeah in front of a, a, well, you know, a although Senate. I, I, I do want to emphasize, though, that I actually think we should talk about the fact that it's illegal to file a false police report because it is something that, yeah, it sounds very menacing, these people saying it, but Tara... And most of them do mean it that Tara way. Tara has but... a law degree. Tara knows what she's doing, right? Right. And the whole reason yeah. that she thought she needed to go and file a criminal complaint is because she wanted to show how serious she is. And the risk right. that she's willing to take, she wants to say, I will say this under oath. I will say if there, this is, if there are consequences. You can't shut me up. I, you know, I understand the risk. So you need to take this seriously. Right, right. As opposed to with Chris. So, yes, it's true. You could easily cite that as proof that she's actually taking this seriously and not just being irresponsible. But the way that they're doing it is menacing. And again, to be consistent, they didn't make they didn't point this out with Christine Blasey Ford. Right. Because whatever she was doing when she testified is also criminal, right? right. She lied, I mean. Yeah. So the uh, the Jezebel article, well, really, the Jezebel article is just an attack on you, basically. Called Tara Reid's allegations deserve more care. Yeah. And suggesting that you didn't do sufficient due diligence, and therefore Tara Reid has been disserved by you. And I, right. I think the important thing about that article is that they kind of do this as a way to avoid having to discuss the merits right, of, of course, Tara's yeah. claim. Because all they can say is, well, it's not vetted, therefore we can ignore it. Um, right. And so by talking about you, they avoid talking about the underlying thing. And in fact, they didn't even want to talk to Tara. They didn't even want to hear right. Tara's story. They didn't contact Tara. Um, right, they literally didn't contact and her. And so yeah. they do this disgusting thing, and I'm sure you've had conversations with Tara about it, because I have, in which, and she, she didn't, certainly didn't feel as if they were um, uh, being but benevolently looking out for her interest, but they do this disgusting thing where they say they're just looking out for her interest by implying that you shouldn't have let her tell her story, or you should have framed the narrative yourself rather right. than let her frame the narrative in the way yeah. she wanted. And she also says, I gruffly asked her about what Biden says to her, because in the interview, she says she doesn't want to say it. And then I asked her at the end. And she actually is like, thank you. For, she says, like, thank you. I'm glad you that did girl, that. You're I really very wanted sensitive to. about it. You're very sensitive. You yeah. said, would you say the thing? Yeah, I said, you, you don't, don't have, have to. to. You don't have but... to. And then she was glad she did. Yeah. yeah. And I just want to give you uh, a sense of uh, the hard-hitting reporting that uh, Alfred usually does. So right before she wrote this piece, called Tara Reid's Allegations Deserve More Care. 
um, where she was like lecturing the world about the um, integrity of, of journalism. She wrote a piece set called Heidi, Heidi's Lip Sync Saved an Unfortunately Medically Themed Episode of Drag Race. And then two things after me was Nirvana's heart-shaped box is a much is as much an ode to astrology as it is to vagina. I have nothing against, against reporting drag on race. Drag Race and Nirvana. However, I think the, the, the serious point from that is that this person does not really care about producing like a highly investigated account of Tara's story. First off, like the whole point, they, they, they are holding, they are deliberately trying to hold you to a standard that they are unwilling to meet themselves. Jezebel has tons more resources than the Katie Halper show. They could have investigated this if they'd wanted to. You did a pretty good job uh, getting corroboration in that you talked to, you did interviews with two witnesses and you relied on a lot of corroboration that had already been done by Ryan Grimm. So by the time this came out, the thing about the Jezebel article is that they are impugning you, suggesting that all you did was find some random woman and put her on the air. But that's not, in fact, the case. You looked into it. You talked to people who confirmed her account. And instead of crediting you with that and then looking into the facts of Tara's story and spending some of their resources on it, uh, all they did was tear you down and then go back to writing pop culture criticism. Right. I mean, and to be fair, they could have, in theory, like they really could have said, like, that was really unfortunate the way, the way that Helper uh, presented this. And now we're going to look into it and do it due diligence. No, now it's now back to Nirvana. You can't say that was really unfortunate. And now back to, yeah, back to Drag Race, which is where she should have stayed. And then what about the New York Times piece? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things is the, the stealth edit that happened. Yes. So there are a couple of notable things about the New York Times. Um, yeah, the first and most obvious is the really hilarious stealth edit where they say at one point they had a passage that said, we found no other allegations of sexual misconduct beyond the hugs, kisses, and touches that other women had said made, made them uncomfortable. And I believe unwanted, unwanted, right, was part of it. And then they went back without noting that they had, had changed it and deleted uh, except for the hugs, kisses, and touches that other women, you know, unwanted that. And so it was just, we found no pattern of sexual uh, other allegations. Uh, meaning that they deleted facts that were favorable to Tara and that boosted Tara's credibility from their story after publishing it without noting that. I mean, it's right, really right, crude it's so embarrassing. journalistic right. malpractice. I mean, it's pretty outrageous, actually. And they deleted a tweet that said the same thing, too. And they said their justification was that the tweet was imprecise, which is just a lie. It wasn't imprecise at all. It was just inconvenient. And it was awkward because it sounded so ridiculous to say we found no pattern of misconduct other than the misconduct, like saying we found no evidence of foul play other than all the skulls in the yard, right? It sounded <laughs> right. fucking ridiculous. Right. So they had to cut it. The other important thing on the New York Times, right? The New York Times really, um, so they did the kind of investigation that all these people have been saying right. they want, right? Where they talked to dozens of people. And so, and they didn't find anything that discredited Tara. The, the things right. they got that were anti-Tara were, of course, the predictable denials from people like Dennis Toner, Ted Kaufman, and uh, the executive assistant. Marianne Baker. Baker. 
right? They got denials from them, and Marianne Baker said ridiculously and implausibly, oh, I never saw any right. kind of misconduct. Well, they didn't ask right. her. With anyone, with, with anyone. anyone. Like, no one can believe that. There's Her credibility just right. left, because if she had said she never saw anything inappropriate between Biden and Tara, if she had said Tara never spoke to me about yeah, it, okay, fine. maybe that's plausible. The idea that a man who has been caught on camera and video in front of people yeah. doing inappropriate things when he knows he's going yeah. to be documented photographically or videographically, the idea that he wouldn't do things not on camera that are inappropriate is just absurd on yeah. its face. So for the most part, the New York Times article, basically they dug deep and they didn't find anything that undermined the Tara story. And they did find some critical things that boost Tara's story. The first thing is they talked to the other friend, right? So they, she told two friends and they, so they have another witness uh, who she, she says talked to her about it uh, long before uh, she came out publicly. But the other thing is, the New York Times says in that article, we found nobody who corroborated any detail of Tara Reid's allegation. Well, that's a statement they should correct because it's false. Because elsewhere in their article, they say that they talked to two former interns who Tara had supervised. And those interns both remember Tara being abruptly yanked from supervising them. And that's actually a critical detail as part of her allegation is that when she tried to bring this up, when the, specifically the harassment, uh, she had her supervisory duties revoked. Now, the Biden campaign hasn't offered any acknowledgement of this, any denial of it, and really any attempt to square what the interns say with Tara's story, because the interns are boosting a critical part of what she says, which is that she did, in fact, lose some of her duties suddenly. Well, they don't have an alternate explanation for this. And so that's a really, really important small piece of evidence that helps boost what she's saying and undermine what Biden's saying. Right. And then, of course, the question becomes, if you're doing your job, you would say to the Biden campaign, why was she relieved of some of her duties? Yeah. What's the explanation? Right. Or what is that wrong or is that right? Are you disputing that? And if not, and why, if she was, why was she? But they haven't even asked that. No. Um, and and the other thing that's really ridiculous is that uh, or notable, I should say, is that Biden himself has not denied this. His campaign has. And I believe that Tara has not accused the campaign of uh, harassment or well, assault. I, what I don't Biden. understand is whether The Times asked Biden for an interview. Right. Because I, I don't think they say in the article whether Biden himself declined to be interviewed. But nobody has tried to press Biden himself on, on this. The allegations have been out for weeks and he's done public interviews and no reporter has thought to bring up the credible sexual assault claims against him, which is absurd. And can you imagine in the Blasey Ford era, nobody asking Brett Kavanaugh about this in a public interview? Right. I mean, and that's why they were trying so hard to make them not credible. And they were trying so hard to make it that seem like there was a reason not to pay attention yeah. to this. And it was, to be fair, remember when Republicans during the Kavanaugh thing even though Republicans aren't as woke, they know that you can't really victim blame or you can't you can't doubt the same way that they used to, like with Anita Hill, where, P.S., Biden was terrible on that, but that's another story. So the way that they had to do it when they were dealing with Blasey Ford was by saying she wasn't lying, she just misremembered, she didn't remember. Like she thought she was she so was assaulted by Brett Kavanaugh, but was wrong, but she wasn't lying. But they're not even, so, so it, nobody's even come up with a theory for what the truth, what like what could explain why Tara would make this allegation, right. and no, why? It's just that we need to. Why right. would the three people that confirm that she told them about it at the time? Right, right. Well, what they're trying to say is we don't need the reason that we're not paying attention to this is not because we have some ulterior motive or because we don't want to look at Joe Biden's sexual assault history. It's just because it's just ridiculous reporting, and that's why 
it doesn't even need to be taken seriously. But yeah, they can't. So that's their creative, like. But what about the corroboration? Pivot. They don't even mention the corroboration. They don't. They can't even explain it. Well, these pieces were written before then, right? So then, of course, Bernie drops out, and then the New York Times no, and Washington Post decided they were before the gonna... friend and the brother had confirmed. Oh yeah, you're right. I thought you meant the intern stuff. No, right. they weren't. They have no way of. of dis- they don't even want to bring up the fact that her friend has. Uh, I mean, I've talked to. I talked to a friend for half an hour. Right, she she remembers she remembers the thing. She's like, I yeah. wish I didn't know about it because every time I had to see yeah. Joe Biden for years, um, I all I can think about is this thing and this totally happened to her. We talked about it over the years. She was distraught. Which yeah, she recounts it very clearly. Who won't give her name because I wouldn't want to give my name. Well, the friend says she's like, worried about her livelihood. She said because I talked to her and she said, you know, I really don't want people coming after me. And that's very fair. Yeah, especially in, in, in this climate. Like, this is a very polarized election. Um, but, yeah, but people, I told you be, people are coming after for Tara. For half an hour, she was completely consistent. You talked to her as well. I mean... I talked to her She was lot. very frank. She answered every question. Uh, I, Says she didn't want Tara to come forward. Made that very yeah, clear. Yeah, she said she, because she knew it hurt her. And so we've talked to the brother and the friend and to Tara, and not one of them seems at all like a crazy person. They're all very, very frank and intelligent people. Um, they're not political in the way that, you know, the friends are Republican, the brother voted yeah. for like... Which apparently they tried to use that against her too. Oh yeah, one point that I noted about the Washington Post article is that um, it, it's noted in the article, it says uh, Tara has been supporting Bernie Sanders since January. But what they don't know is that she's supporting Elizabeth Warren before that. And I know why they deliberately did not include that. And the reason is because the Washington Post readership is disproportionately Warrenites, right? And right. they're the sort of people who will dismiss Tara. So they want them to dismiss Tara as a Bernie bro. And if it's, a, oh, she's an Elizabeth Warren supporter, suddenly, because we have this stupid world where who you support for president affects whether your sexual assault allegation is taken seriously. Right. Oh, if she's a Warren and Clinton supporter, but they don't mention that she supported Clinton. Because that would make her more credible in the eyes of their sort of professional managerial readership. Yep. Really ridiculous. And um, yeah. And again, we're not supposed to care about this, right? It's not supposed to matter who you're you're supporting for us to take accusations, allegations of assault seriously. Uh, Anything else that we want to make sure we bring up? Uh, I can't believe that people are actually saying that like Trump uh, is a rapist. So there's that. I mean, the whole point is we don't want to be running a campaign no. with this slogan, not quite as rapey as Trump. Oh, I know, right? The lesser of two rapists? My God. I mean, uh, well, I think there are, t- there are two other things that, that I, I bring up. The first is that people should read uh, Professor uh, Anthony Zenkis' yes. in Common Dreams. Very good. Because he has worked with sexual assault uh, survivors, and he talks about how they tell their stories and the fact that Tara's way of telling her story is completely consistent with what you would expect in the cases of survivors. It's really good and very helpful op-ed. I quoted a lot in my piece. And the other thing is, I think everyone just needs to not listen to people talking about Tara. They should listen to Tara. Yeah, they need to Tara. listen to Tara. Listen right. to the full interview that you did with her, because it's the longest available interview that we have. Listen to the Democracy Now! interview and the Crystal Ball Rising interview as well. But the interview you did with her was a full hour where you basically just let her tell her story in her own words. And unless people listen to her instead of like combing through her tweets, they're not really going to understand the full depth of just how credible it is. But I tell you, I, I, I tell you, you are going to hear her testimony 
uh, in the general election because it is going to be clipped and put in ads for Donald Trump against Joe Biden, whether you like it or not, because you and I have talked to Tara Reid extensively. We understand that by talking about her, we are in some ways like, we're not like vouching for her necessarily and that we just are saying that she ought to be heard. We can't like identify the truth of her accusations, but we wouldn't be talking about her if we hadn't listened to her and concluded, oh my God, this is not a political operative. This is a woman who was hurt in a really terrible way by a major party presidential candidate. This is a woman who has backup, who has people who can vouch for her. This is serious. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say was that, yeah, I mean, we saw this happening to Juanita Broderick where Trump's grabbed by the pussy uh, comments. Uh, Clinton was hamstrung in how she could re respond to them because Trump brought out Juanita Broderick. And Tara Reid is someone who does not support Republicans, does not support Donald Trump. And the left or libs and, and feminists, quote unquote feminists and quote unquote liberals, they are forcing, I mean, what they did with Juanita Broderick is they forced her into the into the disgusting, opportunistic, cynical arms of Donald Trump. Yeah. And I didn't want that to happen this time with Tara Reid. No, so. I mean, you know, you know that I think you've been invited on Fox News and Tara's been invited on Fox News and you and she have said no because she, Tara's a proud Democrat. She doesn't want to hurt Donald Trump. And she's made that very clear. And it's also why coming out with this is quite difficult for her because she doesn't want to help Donald Trump. And, um, and but the, that is the thing is if Republicans are the only people who will listen, people do tend to go to the only people who will take them seriously. And that's, a, Juanita Broderick is a really sad story, right? Because yeah, she's been driven into the arms of the right and, and Fox News because they said, well, we actually care about the thing that happened to you. And if nobody else cares about the thing that happened to you and there's disgusting hypocrisy coming from Democrats, of course you would come to hate Democrats. Right. And uh, one other thing I just wanted to mention, which I just tweeted from, um, uh, retweeted from Rich McHugh, who's great. He was Ronan Farrow's producer at NBC when they, when they spiked that story. But as he pointed out, um, the Washington Post piece about Tara Reid quotes the complaint she filed Thursday with DC police and says, Reid disclosed that she believed she was the victim of sexual assault. Um, but the complaint I reported from last Friday when I broke the story in Business Insider states that Reed disclosed that she was the victim of sexual assault. Why the addition of the two words she believes? Um, you know, I think what people should note is that when they read these articles about Tara, you got to act like, you know, be, be like a lawyer, like scrutinize every sentence because you will notice that they're designed to undermine her in all these subtle yeah. ways. Like the head, the subhead in the New York Times um, that said like, Tara Reid says that she told friends and family, but co-workers deny it. Well, the friends and family say that she told them too. It's not just her saying it, but they put in the, the subhead, which colors people's impressions, they just suggest that like she says it, but other people deny it, which is not true. It's a misrepresentation. Ugh, gross. Everything gross. Well, this is great, Nathan. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for listening to The Katie Halper Show. You can find The Katie Halper Show on iTunes, where you can rate and review us. You can also find us on SoundCloud, and you can support the show and get bonus extra episodes at Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. This week, I give some kind of behind-the-scenes shade-throwing that I engaged in with Nathan Robinson, as well as Liza Featherstone and Branko Marcetic. 
because I interviewed them and I'll be releasing that regular interview as well. But the bonus for this week is some uh, stuff that we said, basically, uh, kind of off the record stuff. Um, so yeah, and you can find that at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. I'm not um, trying to kind of monetize sharing the Tara Reid story, which is why I haven't been offering um, bonus episodes uh, around that. I'm just, it's so important that everyone hear uh, the story. So I'm getting everything out and I'm not putting it behind any Patreon paywall. So this one thing I am is kind of like a funny, snarky uh, thing. The Katie Helper Show is edited by Ted Reedy, produced by Joshua Bregman, and our theme song is by the band Cordova.